WFM with Green Fern. Fuel your day with Green Fern's new high-protein cooked chicken breast fillet. 100% natural and packed with flavour. Thanks to Jenny Green for her entertainment this afternoon. It's Thursday the 9th of December and this is Game On. Coming up on the show today, David Snade will assess how Ralph Rannick is adjusting to life with Manchester United. Lingard fighting with Camera, runs to Greenwood. A bit loose in midfield from Manchester United. This is Mark Mason Greenwood. Saka is joining at the far post. It's aimed in towards Mason Greenwood. An acrobatic finish from Mason Greenwood. Ireland hockey star Roshan Upton is with us to launch the goal mile. They can barely watch. Pinder against Ruiz. Pinder against Ruiz. Pinder, Pinder, Pinder! It never gets old. We'll also hear from two winners of the Volunteers in Sport Awards, and Jeff Shepherd has all your American sports. Now the 2 2. Well hit down the left way back in. Now, if you want to get in touch, please text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. Game on on 2FM. Welcome along. I'm delighted to say that to join us, David Snaid is with me in studio and we are going to start this evening's show with football because there is plenty of Europa League action already underway. Uh, Leicester City are currently trailing Napoli 1-0 and only 17 minutes gone in that one. Plenty of football news as well. The Tottenham Hotspur game versus Rennes in the Conference League has been called off because of a COVID-19 outbreak and Joshua Kimmich Bayern Munich defender is out until 2022 with lung problems following his coronavirus infection David Snade it feels like the coronavirus has definitely started to seep back in to football and sport again I know yeah it's kind of actually quite quite sad and a little bit depressing to think about it kind of this time of year you're thinking of like goodwill everyone's feeling great coming up to Christmas and where we were at it was kind of getting the sense that things were actually properly becoming back to normal those full houses anybody who would have been at the Aviva Stadium for the FAI Cup final would have seen just what kind of tremendous atmosphere that was and just great sense of I don't know, almost like a carnival atmosphere in the stadium it was, it was tremendous and then you see everything that's happening now again over the little last little while and you see the restrictions that are beginning to be put, come back in place now in the UK too with, with obviously COVID passes essentially now to go into stadiums from from next week too and yeah it's it's just a bit of a reminder that things haven't quite got back to normal yet and it's a little bit worrying you know yeah, it really is. And there's going to be so much football and sport over the Christmas period as well. Um, it just feels like it's going to be affected. I kind of hope it doesn't go back to the behind the closed door situation for everyone and everything because it was so difficult to yeah. watch. And I just feel it'll be such a big step backwards. But obviously, we understand yeah. that there um, are health challenges, but there doesn't seem to be any appetite for it anyway. I know, yeah, you kind of get that sense watching the the Ajax game during the week and seeing an empty stadium, and it kind of it's a kind of like a reminder of where we were at a little while ago, and also as well, the kind of why so many of these sacrifices people have made is obviously to try and bring life back to normal as much as possible. Obviously, with the vaccination programs and now obviously the booster uh, programs that will hopefully soon be in place to maybe alleviate some of the issues now with the the new Omicron variant and stuff, but. Like, like even now where the fact that one of the main talking points would be a game in the Europa Conference League probably a, like Tottenham probably a competition that they have absolutely no interest in playing really and wanting to, to win in because of where they were at a couple of years ago and yeah 
it does feel such a sad way of why they're not playing the game because of the COVID outbreak that's there in in, in their squad. Like it was up to eight. I think it could be as close and even nine or ten players now. Conte was saying that with more players that tested positive. Conte actually said he, he's scared for his squad because so many of them have tested positive. So you'd imagine as well, um, there's probably a few of them that are unwell. Oh yeah, well this is well this is it. Like, and that, that's that's the whole point here. We don't know how like how people are going to be affected. There could be the issue, and listen, obviously the issue with Joshua Kimmich obviously plays into it about what's happened with footballers and they're, they're taking their vaccinations, and it kind of will be a reminder. I'd say, and it's you hate to say it because obviously you don't want people to have to get sick, but I'd say a lot of people now will kind of realise the importance of maybe those vaccinations and and how they can help and why they are so important. And but like. With, with Spurs and like even say someone like Conte it's like a manager who you kind of just uh, you look at him and you kind of almost see it's almost like a manager who doesn't see if there is any fear you don't see a weakness in him but then when you're here talking about what's happened and the fact that they've had to ch- close the first team section of the training ground just to try and contain things and, and get it under control it just kind of brings it back to you of well why people were making so many sacrifices in the in the first place and like the main thing it's it feels strange talking about it and saying, well, will this game go ahead? But it kind of makes you kind of realise, well, the health of the players is the important thing here. And the, the big, it's a reminder again, like the bit of back and forth that had happened when obviously Spurs came out yeah, last night to release a statement saying that the game was going to be cancelled. Then Ren obviously saying, well, no, no, it's not. We want this to go ahead. There's obviously still so much at stake for, for them as a club and what they want to try and achieve. And then obviously UEFA have to confirm, yeah, the game isn't going ahead. But then when you're talking about it, oh, well, will a football game go ahead? And yet you've got but more than three quarters of a start, possible three quarters of a starting lineup who now are suffering with COVID. We don't know the, of how bad it is or how severe it is in terms of how they're suffering. As you said, like how ill they could be, it could be, and what Conte was talking about it, it's clear that it's obviously affected quite a, a number of them. And you can imagine so too, because people probably would have been getting to a point where thinking, well, football was a bit normal again. Like I remember, remember, I think we, remember we spoke about this not so long ago when kind of football clubs and the amount of testing that has happened and like I remember chatting to coaches at Premier League clubs and they were saying about the vaccinations and, and players and why there was that hesitancy to almost get vaccinated because they were saying, well, the whole point of, of getting vaccinated was to get back to normal. And yet, that wasn't happening like they were still getting tested every single day like their lives and their supposed bubble had still had to have been maintained maybe to a greater effect than than other people and now they kind of see again that we're still so far away if this mm-hmm. has happened and now we're at, at a club like Spurs it's like and it so is, vulnerable as well like yeah. we saw what happened with um, Munster Rugby over the last few weeks as well and I think that was a yeah. real reality check for everybody and even just hearing Johan van Grand talking about his players being sick like that's the scary thing we're not invincible and as time goes by you can't help but lower your guard a little bit take a few more risks you think that they're a little bit calculated because you've been fine up to mm-hmm. now but um, it's still pretty scary when you do hear of sports people becoming unwell and I think people when they hear about Kimmich as well because the fact that we know so little about long COVID like you Mm. know he's talking about oh he has to be patient and he's not allowed to put his full body weight or his full weight on his body due to slight infiltration in my lungs and it almost sounds like he's being a little bit casual about it but that's quite scary because he has absolutely no idea what the long term effects of long COVID are and nobody does yet and hundred percent, and that whole point of like you have Joshua Kimmich, who is a player. When we look at him, who is 
literally in the, at the was at the complete peak of his powers as a player in that position in midfield and like the, what he brings to a team like the dynamism that he has and just the ability that he has and then yeah he's a 26 year old who has been struck down by this and is hoping in the new year obviously Bayern Munich statement with the release to saying that in the new year they hope that he'll be back and, and available but it just again it just show, it just does highlight anybody who's thinking well well, what's the point of getting vaccinated? What's the point in doing this? What's the point in doing that? Or what? How bad can this really be? Well, then when you have a player like him, like German international, absolute superstar footballer, as we're saying, fit as you could be, all the tests in the world that would have been done to make sure he's at the the peak of his powers, and yeah, he's struck down by it. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of them where you obviously have to, have to respect his choice in terms of he made that decision as he came out about beforehand that he didn't want to get the the vaccine it was something that he f- kind of spoke openly about and again you have to respect that choice just like when Caleb Robinson was talking about it for Ireland and he made that point and people were kind of jumping down his throat and kind of having a go at him and then it's like well there is a balance to be struck in terms of kind of respecting that person's choice but then also respecting the fact that there is a great responsibility to people around them to, like to make sure that they they can be as healthy and, and safe as safe as possible. So, like what we're talking about, it's it does get the sense where for the last couple of years, it's people's lives have been put on hold. People have made sacrifices. We've kind of wanted to try and just get through things as best as we can and hope that there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It has felt like that, and then this is just another little reminder that we do have to still be very very vigilant about stuff. Absolutely. There are other games as well. Uh, Leon and Rangers is also underway. 26 minutes gone there and it is still nil. All Celtic are playing Real Betis at 8 o'clock and also West Ham and Dynamo Zagreb are on at 8 o'clock as well. And they're going to have a Europa League with Barcelona in it after their failure to beat Bayern last night, which, look, I think it was inevitable that they weren't going to be able to do that. Bayern did put out a really strong squad and team and went after them but it isn't also another um, reality check because that's now where Barcelona are at. I know. Look, again, we were only, I think we were only talking about this what, a few weeks ago when the whole Roland Koeman era was coming to an end and, and Xavi was about to be appointed and people were talking about how Barcelona had, had lost its cultural DNA and that he was a manager who didn't quite understand what exactly it was and yet this is a fellow who obviously Ron Koeman here this is a man who won the European Cup with him was a member of one of their greatest ever teams like of course he did he was kind of realising this is where Barcelona right he was trying to be a bit bit more pragmatic you, you kind of you read the people who were on that beat in, t- in terms of covering Barcelona and they talk about yeah Koeman kind of almost went too far in the one direction where kind of realising how bad things were but maybe not having that confidence to try and trust some of the younger players who are coming through like the likes of Andrew, Andrew Fatty and stuff but we've seen it last night with, with, with Xavi and like that appointment people will say well is it similar to what United do with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is mm-hmm. it kind of just carping back to a time where everything felt great everything felt safe it was like oh wasn't it wonderful to be a part of Barcelona at that time but then the Barcelona team that he was in had a few kind of quite better players like Lionel Messi for for one. Obviously, Xavi himself, Iniesta, Busquets when he would have been more so in in his prime. Even Gerard Piquet, who oh my god, like I felt so bad for Gerard Piquet last night. I was watching that game like when Robert Lewandowski was kind of bursting past him with like don't get me wrong, Robert Lewandowski probably well he is like should have been the Ballon d'Or winner, one of the world's best strikers, but wouldn't be renowned for that kind of burst of pace over ten yards. He's just like a lethal finisher. And yet, like Gerard Piquet was torn slower than the twenty-five A. You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of like that almost epitomised where Barcelona are at. Like a fellow who used to be so sharp, so 
just not just in terms of like reading the game but just with everything he did with his pass and with his movement in terms of defensively and he just looked so off and then you watched him and like it was, there was there was almost like sometimes you can watch a, t- a great maybe a great club and there can be a kind of like a morbid fascination and a morbid delight you take in a club failing so badly but you kind of don't get that with Barcelona just because of so much joy that they would have brought you and some of the football they would have played and some of the great stuff that's happened over the last number of years whereas like you see them there now and you're thinking like Xavi he has his, he really does have his work cut out like I was looking at him there he was wearing a pair of ripped jeans on the sideline like he'd be pulling his hair out soon enough because the way that club is at the moment it's going to take a manager who I would listen who am I to point Xavi and what he should be doing but like it strikes me as a job who needs a serious amount of experience or a manager who can come in and totally revitalise the place and he doesn't quite seem to have done that yet and then you look at in the background of what happened with their financial problems and the money worries they have and the players and some of the assets they have like there could be fellas there like the likes of say of Frankie De Jong whose stock has probably fallen quite a bit considering where they would have been at a couple of years ago when he was like the probably most sought after midfielder in the world and he's probably thinking do I have to get out of Barcelona here to revitalise my career whereas six, seven, eight years ago it was the place to be and it was mm-hmm. not Well at least he seems Zavi seems to be quite aware though of the situation you could tell from his interview after the game when he said he was really pissed off and that they're going to have to tackle it face on a new era starts today we start from zero but how do you how do you do that? Like how do you turn it around without having the finances that you might have had ten years ago? Well, that comes down, I would imagine, to how a manager is and how a head coach is and how they works and kind of what they can rely on and kind of like the body of work that they have behind them that they can rely on. Like, and Xavi would have a serious, serious pedigree, obviously, as a player, but as a coach, working from where he was to now, like he hasn't. So, like it's, it's often been said, like players will you get the benefit of the doubt probably for a week, if that, with a club, and no matter who what your reputation is, and if the work you're doing isn't up to it with the players, no matter who they are, they'll they'll see they'll see see through that. Now, the question for Xavi will be is. Is he going to be given a time by Barcelona? Like, there's a great line. There's a great line in Sid Lowe's piece talking about the match last night in the Guardian for the when he obviously obviously clearly had bumped into um, the Barcelona president uh, Juan Laporta before the game, who had just he visited like the Munich Cathedral and he said, "Well, you have to have hope. You have to have faith." And like, what Xavi will need is to make sure that he does just enough in terms of results and also work in the background because there'll be so much work happening in the background. You will imagine to get the club back up to speed that will warrant a lot of faith in him from the people above him because obviously Barcelona is a club that obviously is run by supporters but there's elections there's like a lot of politics that Mm -hmm. goes on there in the background that'll have to be something that will be be worked out as well but the biggest currency political currency that you'll have on have is what he does in terms of results in the pitch but also showing the work that he's doing behind the scenes so I was saying there earlier about players seeing through a manager like he'll already know what players he wants there and what players he doesn't and it's whether or not he's given that time to have a rebuild and also if he shows that he's capable of doing it and like we're having these conversations now and even just talking there it just reminds me of everything that's happening with Stephen Kenny in Ireland at the moment <laughs> but it's obviously a serious it's a different level with, with Barcelona and just the um, the spotlight that he'll be under and it's going to be like it will, there's no other way of describing it it's sink or swim for Xavi in that sense because like will he get if he if he goes there and he shows that he's capable of maybe turning around the ship that looks as if it's sinking well then it's clear that this is a fella who was in the mould of maybe possibly like a Pep Guardiola like that's 
obviously who he, he would have learned so much from but if he struggles it's just going to learn well, where did Barcelona go from there did they rely on someone who yeah understands the fabric of the club and what the club is about or do they say well we need an outsider like what United have done to just try and come in and actually modernise the club and revitalise it because similar to United Barcelona just seemed caught in the past a little bit yeah and if he doesn't start getting fans in as well like that will be a, a massive issue it's also a, uh, quite an, another similarity to the Ireland situation with Stephen Kenny it's like you have to have the fans in or um, the club won't support you it's simple as that well, that'd be a big thing and especially if you have a club like Barcelona where like, they do feel that connection with a manager and feel mm-hmm. as if yeah do you know what like, and it's such a big thing and maybe some people will probably scoff at it and say oh the connection with the fans like what you're talking about you need results clearly you do but at a club like Barcelona any big club like, and as you're talking there about fans coming up and showing up like they do need to feel that mm-hmm. like, like what's happened to Ireland you see the change that's happened with Ireland and what, what could potentially happen in the next little while with the development of those young players that's what Barcelona need to do and the, but the demands of Barcelona are just so high like they, you're not allowed to fail that's yeah. essentially yeah and that's what's happening you have to play a certain way as well like that's, you have to play a certain way as well there's expectations when it comes to that too uh the Leicester City Napoli game has really taken a flight. So Napoli went 2 0 up, and then Leicester pulled one back with Johnny Evans finding that on the 27th minute. So that looks like one well worth tuning in for. Manchester United had another game under Ralph Rannick last night. It was uh, against young boys. It wasn't really anything at stake, but it was a chance for um, Ralph to give some of the young players a chance. And he did plenty of that. What was your your take on the auditions? I guess they were really. Um, well, I think, I think the big winner out of all of it would have been someone who everyone already knows is Mason Greenwood. Like he took a goal superbly in that striker position not maybe forced out wide he kind of ended the game a bit wider and they, they moved um, Anthony Langer through the, through the middle in the second half but I just think it was an interesting one because I, I kind of wanted to have an idea of well what would a new manager do head coach coming in when it's an interim and you've got like you've pretty much got six months and you've got loads of games coming up and I kind of got in touch with like a coach who kind of have an idea of like how that would work and he was kind of making a point to me saying that the way to work this is you have almost like two separate two separate squads essentially so like the team that would have been put out say against Young Boys obviously he could have called it saying it's going to be major changes which is understandable United had already topped the group and were through but that because of the amount of work that he's going to have to do in terms of bringing through that new sense of like effectively a style of play and demands that are on these players like the amount of training sessions and walkthrough sessions it's like working almost your Premier League team and say a cup team and working it off that basis rather than thinking everyone has to know working with a kind of a, a bigger amount of group of players is you have that kind of maybe so, smaller core that you know you're going to rely on to make sure every single one of those players is drilled and like walk through sessions in terms of out on the grass in terms of maybe you might not be able to do full on sessions for say two hours or so full on just with the intensity and the amount of games it's just not possible especially with the amount of rest and recuperation that's going to be needed but like I think they play seven games this month alone just like literally players will be on that training pitch and will be getting walked through every element of what he wants video analysis going through that like even the little things like, like the, the fact that they employed now a sports psychologist for the first time in something like 30 years it just seems crazy that that hadn't already been there mm-hmm. considering it's going to be so important and you would think I just saw it there coming up there sorry Leicester City you've made it too well <laughs> yeah four goals in 33 minutes as I said it looks sounds like uh, it's worth tuning in for anyway I'm back to the telly here as well <laughs> but, um, but like, yeah like, the, um, and it was interesting that Ranyuk has made a kind of point even of already kind of 
so much earmarking Greenwood everyone knows the talent he has but kind of saying well do you know what yeah he does his technical ability isn't isn't kind of in question he has no doubts about that it's about building him up physically and which I thought was interesting when he made a point mentally about because he kind of sees he clearly already sees this is a fella who has the potential to be the main man at Man United after Ronaldo goes for a decade Every, like, there's so many players who have had that ability in the last while but it's the kind of the mental side of things to go along with that and the demands that you're going to face and that's going to be the next challenge for Greenwood he's shown er, all the like the ability under the sun and even the temperament that he's already shown since he's come in and just that kind of in fairness like the mentality he has shown because he was criticised for that work rate mm. under towards the end with Solskjaer which is only it's kind of to be expected a little bit for a young player to go through those dips because there had been an awful lot put on him and there did seem to be a sense that when Ronaldo came in that maybe it kind of dented him a little bit because he was beginning to maybe feel as if he was moving up to pecking order slightly like that kind of relationship seemed to be working with, with Edinson Cavani as well and how they were developing but now with Ranić, you kind of wonder well, is, is that a player almost like a little pet project for him there now to kind of for the next six months as much as he has to do so much work with the team is whoever the next manager is going to be that they're going to have someone like Greenwood who could be primed to actually be that main man because you look around Europe and there's other strikers Erling Haaland prime example who's shown that like there's lads who are well capable of doing it and I think Greenwood from everything that we've seen him he could be that man too What about Donny van der Beek so obviously there was a huge amount of talk about him and the fact that it looks like he wasn't getting his chance under Solskjaer but then last night we saw him giving away possession at the end of his own box he was looked like he was completely asleep and then young boys went on and scored a goal and there was a lot of a lot of people thinking okay maybe that's what he's been doing in training that we we hadn't seen and that's why he hadn't been starting under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has he just missed his opportunity now fluffed his chance the best players in the world are always the ones who are never playing that's <laughs> that how his fans like, you hear fans crying for him but like He's not really like the games that he's played. One of the games, I remember going was the FA Cup last year against Watford at home, and you're kind of thinking this is a prime game for him just to take a bit of scruff for the next show's ability. Like he should have. This was obviously when Watford weren't even in the Premier League; they were still in the Championship. And like a lot of the, a lot of times when he's had games, he's just let the chance drift by. He's just let games drift by. He hasn't had that personality that sort of been needed to come in and actually say, Do you know what, yeah. I deserve a spot here you know what I mean like kind of grabbing it by the scruff of the neck and this comes back to what we were saying earlier about Greenwood and the mentality side of things and, and that personality like clearly he's going to have ability you're not going to be a professional footballer getting through the ranks with Ajax getting to the Champions League semi-final with Ajax doing so well there being a Holland international if you haven't got ability clearly he has it's what he has now to become a Premier League regular like that, that debate is still out and like he's going to have another manager now that he's going to have new kind of direction from there's going to be more challenges for him to kind of to meet there and that's what he ha- that's what he has to do like he's I think he's got another couple of years in his contract so it's not as if he's going to be I don't know on the red line anytime soon he's got a bit of time but like there's only so so long that people can kind of say well he deserves to play mm-hmm. deserves to play and you see him and other than ironically enough Watford in, when he when he did come on and, 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 and scored but even in that game like he didn't really do an awful lot. Like, you know, well, that sounds silly considering he scored the goal. But you're looking at a player who, or Man United, are crying out for as a fellow who can kind of dictate play a little bit, who can control that tempo. And what Ranić is talking about, bring that sense of control to a game, not just by scoring a goal or producing a bit of magic, which obviously Bruno Fernandez can do. But something that Bruno Fernandez can't do is just 
run a game from start to finish and have that sense of calm throughout it. And that's obviously what Ranjak bring wants. As much as everyone talks about that high intensity pressing, which you try and obviously in the, the top end of the pitch and winning the ball back as quickly as possible. But you need someone at, at the other end of it who just knits it all together, who's able to get those moments for the likes of a Bruno Fernandes who can then cut open the defence or the Paul Pogba if we ever see him again he's injured again his annual injury at Manchester United to get a bit of a breather but like the jury is the jury has been out and like and again it comes back it comes back to it like a manager's not going to leave you out just out of spite mm-hmm. he's, a manager will, will always play what he thinks is the best team and, and deserves to play and for all Solskjaer's for all Solskjaer's faults at United what you can't accuse him of is not giving people a hair crack of the whip like if Anthony was giving people too much rope to hang themselves with really I mean, they think of some of the players who have been allowed to hang around that club so for Van, Van de Beek not to be even given too much of a chance well, you have, there, there's obviously legitimate questions there people maybe United fans were kind of almost on that the Van de Beek kind of I don't know, kind of cheerleading because maybe they didn't quite trust Solskjaer still. Now they have a manager who, by all intents and purposes, is the godfather of modern German football. So if even he is maybe thinking there's question marks, well then you have to respect that. What about the lovely moment when Robbie Savage's son, Charlie, came on and Mm -hmm. he was commentating on it and he got on for a few minutes at the end, but like... Robbie Savage, somebody who, who divides opinion in fairness, but last night everybody was delighted for him. It was really nice to see. I know, and even like, like the clip, I was watching it on BT Sport, the clip where the camera went to him and he had his phone out in the gantry beside the commentator, clearly obviously sending the video to maybe, I think it was his wife or his, uh, his own parents, but um, yeah, like uh, like it's just it's it's just brilliant to see it. Like it's and even for a for a co commentator to be there and get to see his son. And like even though it was a game where United were obviously true and there was a number of kids on the bench. How many kids are in that in that academy? So for him to be on that bench, Charlie Savage, like it's is a serious deal. Like he has done something that his dad has never been able to do, which is get a game for United's first team. Obviously, Robbie Savage would have been part of that class ninety two back in the the famous one back in the day with obviously with Giggs and Beckham and all the rest of it, and even Ferdinand slagging him in the beforehand saying, <laughs> hey, well, "How does it feel that your son's already eclipsed your career?" But uh, I think like Robbie Savage had a great career. Like he made the games play for Wales in the Premier League. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was just. It was just a great moment. I think if my son wasn't, my own son wasn't three years old, I wouldn't know where to walk him up. I was glad to get a bit of peace and quiet. Yeah, I think everybody was sitting at home dreaming of, of moments like that. Um, right, David, stay with me. We're going to take a very quick break. We have plenty to get through. We'll be back shortly. With Green Farm. Fuel your day with Green Farm's high protein cooked chicken breast fillets. 100% natural and packed with flavour. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. It is time to talk hockey because I am delighted to say that Roisin Upton, Ireland hockey star, is with me. And a little bit earlier, she was part of the launch of the Goal Mile, something that will be so familiar to everybody because it is an established Christmas tradition in communities across the island of Ireland and around the globe. And this year, AIB and Goal are encouraging people to step up together and take 2,000 steps to help vulnerable communities in the 14 countries where Goal works. Roisin, I think everybody at this stage is familiar with the goal mile. It's so important to all of the communities and the countries that it helps. But also, it's it's just a nice thing to do for families. Yeah, I think so. I think on average, Irish people walk around 7,000 steps a day. So a mile is only 2,000 steps. You know, it's a great opportunity 
to get outdoors this Christmas and, um, you know, to contribute to, to a great cause and I've seen firsthand the goal that goal, the work that goal does um, in places all over the world like Malawi, Zimbabwe, Turkey, Haiti. Tell us a little bit about some of that work that's done, Roisin. It's really education-based and I'm a teacher so that really appeals to me. So I went over to Malawi two years ago with Jenny Murphy and Sinead Ahern and you know, it was such an eye-opening experience getting to see how little these people had, um, but how happy they were. And really, goal just empowers them and educates them, you know, on things like how to save in a community. You know, things that we take for granted, you know, what food groups are, how to utilise a local lake for irrigation systems. Um, you know, it's, it's to make people's lives more sustainable and to make them more independent. And they're the kind of programmes that goal um, put in place in you know, the most vulnerable, to they give them to the most vulnerable people all over the world. I imagine, Roshan, as well, just given your platform as an Ireland hockey star, that it's really important for you as well to do this kind of work and to shine a light on causes that really need people's attention. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge platform, but um, I think it's important. We have, we have so much here in Ireland, um, you know, and we're allowed to socialise again. We're back outdoors and even though the past two years has been really difficult for us, um, you know, and individually we've all had our own challenges here in Ireland. But, you know, places like Africa, it's hard to even fathom how they dealt with COVID. Um, so they, they really need our support and uh, the Gold Mile is, is a really simple way to, to get involved. Very good. Well, um, hopefully everybody that is listening will decide to do it because it, it is really for such a good cause. And just then on on you, Roisin, so when you're in the, the public eye, it's, it's usually when the big competitions are on and, and, you know, we see on the TV and you're representing Ireland. But when it's the time like this, the, the winter time, like what what's life like for you? Yeah, it's, it's taken a bit of a turn. Um, I think at the end of an Olympic cycle, you usually get a couple of months to go back dive back into the real world I suppose so I'm back teaching um, I've actually moved up to Dublin and I'm back teaching in Alex Junior School so um, it's been a really enjoyable couple of weeks obviously very different to life over the past two years um, but it's been nice to be back in, into the classroom and just doing different things we have a break from hockey so we've joined a local gym and we're doing Zumba classes and aqua aerobics and spinning and just having having good crack to be honest it's been nice to switch off so is it easy to switch off then just given the the year that you've had and also the fact that you know there are things looming as well in in the in the next year that are quite important it's certainly not easy as you said you know we've got a really exciting year ahead of us next year we've a world cup to look forward to next july um but i think you have to you have to switch off you know we went from an olympic straight into a world cup qualifiers then straight back into our club um, so the next couple of weeks are really important to just step away from hockey, um, you know, and to get to spend more time with family, friends, um, to get back in, into the workplace. A lot of us have to step away from work with the Olympics. Um, and just yet to do all those things, it's been nice to have um, some extra time, to be honest. <laughs> and what about moving to Dublin then? Was that, a, that was, was that a career decision or a hockey decision or what was it? Um, yeah, I suppose at the end of a cycle with Olympic sports you're always weighing up will I retire or will I continue on and I knew I wanted to get back into the classroom so to be able to do both to be able to continue playing hockey and, and be teaching Dublin was the best solution if I was down in Limerick with all the training in Dublin I don't know how I would have got on 
Yeah, it is difficult. We were just remarking before the show started about the the sport culture that is in Limerick and just how fantastic it is. We're looking at Limerick today winning an unprecedented 12 hurling all-stars. It's actually amazing to look at that team of 15 players and see much, so much green on it. Um, but Limerick, I know you're not there anymore, but just from a sporting point of view, it must be a fantastic city to be from, Roisin, with just such a, a strong culture of sport and a dedication and commitment to it as well from so many people. Yeah, you know, I'm obviously proud Munster own proud Limerick woman and there's a lot of different sports available. I think that's one of the best things about Limerick. You know, you're competing in with Limerick FC, we have the Limerick Curlers, Limerick Camogie team competing, you know, I'm playing I'm still playing at my local club, Cask Institute, and we're in top four in, in Division One in Ireland. There's lots of different sports happening down in Limerick. You know, we're a proud sporting county, and I know, I know lots of counties will um, will argue that title. But um, <laughs> don't talk yeah. to any Cork people today, anyway, about the hurling <laughs> all stars. <laughs> Certainly won't be. So, just then, in terms of, of club, where are things at for you? Yeah, so we've got a good. We had a good start there to the season. It's been um, it's been so enjoyable to be back playing with the girls. Uh, I really felt you know felt for them last year. It was obviously difficult for us all with a lack of sport in our lives. Um, we were fortunate that we could still train away in the lead up to the Olympics. So it's it just it's been a breath of fresh air being back at the club, and I think we're sitting in fourth place in the league at the moment, which is which is unreal. Really, just considering it's our second um, our second season up in the top top division um, if you were out last year um, so we're just taking it one game at a time and then after Christmas we have an Irish Senior Cup quarterfinal to look forward to as well so we've never been to a quarterfinal before so there's a real buzz in the club um, yeah just enjoying being back playing the girls and Roisin then like when you look at the the girls coming through and like it's a few years now since the World Cup heroics and you know when you kind of burst onto everybody's consciousness and hockey really became a sport that people wanted to get behind and get involved in. Are you seeing the knock on effects of that now as the kind of years are, are going by? Is there more girls and, and even women playing as well? There are yeah there's been a real buzz since, since the World Cup I think um, the uptake from kids um, so many new clubs have been have started, have opened up. Um, but also, as you said, it's people going back to hockey that might have played it in school that are just going back recreationally. And that's probably the great thing about hockey. You can play it until you're 70 or 80. You know, we have Irish best teams you know, under 60s, under 70s. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just been great. And I think um, Naomi Carroll and myself have both, um, you know, we get such a buzz going back playing with Institute. Um, they support us so well. And just seeing the other girls coming through playing for Irish underage teams Anna Horan is over at the Irish under 21 team at the moment in Spain and we've got a couple of girls uh, you know also part of that panel um, that aren't in Spain but also on Irish 18 and 16 teams and that's what it's all about you know as you see like you, you can see it and you can be it Well Rosine thank you so much and if people want to find out about the Gold Mile where they can where can they get the information? Head over to goldglobal.org forward slash gold mile or if you're in your local AIB branch there'll be QR codes available at every location and you literally just scan the code and you can register there. Brilliant Russian update. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a very quick break and then we're back with American Sports. Game on on 2FM. With Green Firm, have your dinner ready in a flash with Green Firm's high protein cooked chicken breast fillet. Available in selected stores nationwide. Game on on 2FM. 
Now, welcome back. It is half time in those early Europa League games, and Leicester City and Napoli is still two all, and Rangers are leading Leon 1 0. Now, it is time to turn our attention to American sports, and Jeff Shepard joins us on the line. Shep, I have been looking forward to talking to you all week, <laughs> and I'll tell you why because I heard that there is a development in the monkey bite story. <laughs> Before you get into the development, you may as well remind people who hadn't heard right. what the actual origins of this story are. Well, look, if you haven't heard about this yet, I mean, you've got to crawl <laughs> out from underneath that rock, right? I mean, this is I mean, this is a global story here. All right, so we talked about this in early November. Um, there was an event at a Halloween party in uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, which is where the University of Texas is located, one of the larger public college, you know, universities in the uh, entire United States of America. And uh, there was a football coach there, and his wife, or his girlfriend, excuse me, is a former exotic dancer. Okay, you're with me so far, right, Marie? <laughs> I'm with you. And and her nickname was given to her by Jerry Springer, one of America's great television hosts. Um, she, her nickname was the Pole Assassin for the various uh, dances and you know maneuvers she would perform while on stage. She has a pet emotional support monkey. And at this Halloween party, the monkey allegedly bit a child. All right, so that's... That was the story that we talked about, and your silence now is exactly like it was back then. Like, how do I even comprehend how this goes? Well, America is quite the litigious society these days, and so a lawsuit has been filed. And um, the, the mother of the child has, is claiming that not only did the monkey bite the kid, but they were actually, you know, the... the, the the woman, Danielle, the woman's name is Danielle Thomas, the pole assassin. She said, well, the kids went back to where the monkey lives at the house and they were, you know, stuck their hands back there and, and, and the monkey bit him. Well, uh, the lawsuit alleges that the kids were taken back there and were told that the monkey gives high fives. Now, look, I know I don't know about you, but I want to high five a monkey, you know, and so the kid tried to give the monkey a high five and the monkey allegedly <laughs> bit the kid and had to have its jaws pried off of the boy's hand. And so now we are entering the lawsuit phase of this story. It, it really is just about everything you want from a college football story that has nothing to do with college football. Absolutely not, but it is compelling as stories go. And, and I loved the kind of commentary around it as well from Danielle, like Danielle saying that, you know, she'd been bit before and she was fine after it. Like, you know, saying it's not even that big a deal. <laughs> well, and also saying sure, as well that she... Um, that the kids weren't supposed to go back there, but yet she had posted on Twitter that everybody was welcome and they could do whatever they want. And then they're scre using these screenshots to disprove her argument. It just has everything. Right. Sure, it really does. And and the thing that is, you know, to your point about, you know, the monkey had bitten her before. And, and one of the things that she has said is that, you know, well, the monkey has its shots. And they were talking about, like, I guess, you know, maybe rabies or some other types of, you know, animal diseases. But everybody immediately went to, like, does the monkey have the COVID vaccine? Like, there's just so many <laughs> other levels here that, I mean, it, it's there's not a single angle of this story that I just don't want to dip in chocolate and eat. It's just, it's delicious. Right, well, I am looking forward to the next installment. Hopefully we will get it before the Christmas break. So, Shep, we've been talking a bit <laughs> about um, 
COVID here because it is starting to creep back into our yeah. worlds and it's creeping back into the sports world as well and there's been a few uh, teams who've been shut down because of COVID mm-hmm. outbreaks. What is the state of play with you guys? So there's you're starting to see, you know, like, I mean, uh, I guess last week, I believe it was the end of last week, uh, you know, LeBron James came back. He's, he's double vaccinated and, you know, he... he tested, you know, came back with a positive test. So he had to miss a couple of games there for the Lakers. And you're starting to see it in the NFL. Look, I mean, we're getting to, you know, you know I mean, there's parts in, of the United States that are in the similar climate situation that, that uh, Ireland's in, you know I mean? Look, I'm, I'm in the South. And so while it gets colder here, it's not like it ever gets like super freezing and we have to deal with feet and feet of snow and everybody has to, you know, and most people stay inside all the time. We're still able to kind of get out, get it out and about. But, you know, in the North, uh, in in North America, places like Buffalo and Cleveland and parts of Michigan, Detroit, places like that, you know, it's cold. It's snowing. People are just staying inside more and they're around other people. And so you're starting to see just a little bit more. And look, it impacts everywhere and then then it trickles into the sports world it's a reflection of society and so you're starting to see each week nfl players you know more and more oh this team has might have two or three guys out this week this team might have two or three guys out the next week you know and we talked about before you know marie the league has basically said we're not giving anybody do-overs or we're not moving games you know it's we're just going to deal with it i mean almost like they would do it if two or three players were out with the flu. And, and I'm, by no means am I trying to compare the two. I'm just trying to say that's kind of the approach that they've taken. And it goes, even if you're vaccinated, you know, you can still catch it. And so, um, again, I think, I mean, obviously LeBron would be the biggest name you could possibly have to get impacted by that. Yeah, we'll we be keeping an eye on what happens over your way because often it is reflective of what happen here, happens here and vice versa. So Tiger Woods, uh, speaking of big sports stars, Tiger Woods is mm-hmm. going to make a comeback, but he'll be playing with his 12-year-old son in the PNC Championship next week. It's not the biggest tournament in the whole world, but it is something that is going to have all of the eyes of golf fans and sports fans on it now because people are so curious um, as to how he's getting on and, and how he's recovery has been going yeah look Marie. i mean think about you know eight nine months ago we were talking about whether or not he might ever play again i mean we just didn't know at the time but we knew it was a severe severe damage done to his right leg his right knee um and look i mean he's he's still in the process of rehabbing i, I you know he had a press conference i guess a couple of weeks ago and talked about how he felt like he kind of knows he doesn't think he'll ever com- be able to complete, compete at the level that he has been competing at, you know, for so many years. He was hoping to be able to get back at some point. You know, he doesn't want to miss the opportunity to play with his son. Um, this is a, an ongoing, you know, a tournament that's been going on for, you know, 25, 30 years now. And it involves, you know, professional, you know, major champions and, and a family member. And so he wants to play with the son, which is phenomenal. And, and he even referenced saying, um, you know, what, what they call a, a hit and giggle. You know, it's not as like you said, it's not the most serious. This isn't the Masters. It's not Augusta or the or the Open Championship. I mean, it's, it's a tournament for him to be able to get out hit some balls competitively. I mean, look, I, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. Lee Trevino plays in the tournament still with one of his family members. So, I mean, that's pretty great. Um, but he is excited. He's going to get a chance to use a golf cart still. The tournament's going to allow him to do that because they want him to be there as well, too. They obviously benefit from Tiger being involved in, in the 
in the tournament as well. And so, I mean, I, I don't see if you're even remotely interested in golf. I think you'll obviously be watching it. But even if you're tangentially just more a Tiger fan than anything else, I think you're going to be tuning in at some point just to see how he looks, how's he hitting the ball, and really just how's he doing in general. I, I mean, the golf thing's one thing, but I mean, to go through such a major injury and major accident and to come back eight, nine months later, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it really is. And Nelly Korda is going to be playing with her dad as well, Peter, who is a former Australian Open tennis champion. So I'm really curious to mm-hmm. see uh, what he's like. I'm sure he's brilliant, to be fair. Most people who uh, produce kids like the Cordas are pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, Jeff Shepard, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. And as I said, I'm really looking forward to our next update in that saga. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Marie. Okay, now we are going to talk about the Federation of Irish Sport and the Volunteers in Sport Awards. So over the last few days, the Federation have been announcing their Volunteers in Sport Awards winner. And these award winners, or these awards recognise and support the Army of Volunteers in Sport and Physical Activity in local communities across Ireland. And I am delighted to say that I am joined by Galway joint winners, Evelyn Burke and Katie Coughlin. And they are of Titans Basketball Club in Galway. So Katie and Evelyn were just teenagers in transition year when they approached the Titans Basketball Club expressing an an identifiable need for basketball relating training opportunities for young people in Galway who have a condition known as dyspraxia. I was reading about this over the last few days and I just got really interested in how two young girls could be so proactive in trying to develop something that they saw a need for. And I'm delighted to say that both Katie and Evelyn are with me on the line. Katie, I'm going to come to you first, if that's okay. Just want to know why and how you came up with this idea or saw this need for kids um, with dyspraxia to, to get them involved in sport. Hi Marie, how are you doing? Um, actually, it was through Evelyn's idea um, that we ended up starting up the um, club. I just helped with the training aspect of it because I had done the coaching courses um, that the club provided and then myself and herself went about our own training as well. But it was actually it was Evelyn who came up with the original idea. Well, so I Evelyn. might give it to her if that's okay, Marie. <laughs> yeah, Evelyn's here as well. Evelyn, tell us, so tell us, because a lot of people might not know about dyspraxia. How did you, why and how did you come up with it, with this idea and, and why did you see a need for it? Um, <clears throat> sorry now. Um, it was actually because my older brother has DCD um, and he was diagnosed when he was 10, which is actually kind of considered late for a diagnosis. Um, myself and Katie would both come from very large basketball families, I guess. So basketball was always the sport we were all involved in. And when he was diagnosed, his OT had said that his back muscles were more developed than she would have expected, especially with the, light, the late diagnosis. And she kind of attributed that to the basketball. Um, so it, it kind of very naturally progressed as an idea from that in that despite best efforts, he eventually had to leave basketball because... Um, he wasn't keeping up as well with the other guys on his team, you know. But I always kind of felt bad about it because I knew how much basketball was benefiting me socially and mentally and everything. Um, So when we were in TY and we had a bit more time to kind of pursue our own projects, um, I I was just really interested to see if a DCD training specific for basketball was possible, and I knew that the Titans Club in Galway are known for inclusivity. Um, 
So I suppose I approached Katie and we approached the club together. So Katie then, like that's an Evelyn, brilliant idea and Katie, for you to come on board then is fantastic as well. So what was the, the process like and what kind of support did you get? Because you're just teenagers. Well, actually, um, it's great. Our club was originally set up um, to be socially inclusive. It was set up in um, the West Side Community Centre, which is considered a rapid area in Galway. Um, so we actually had 22 teams within the club and 38 nationalities as it was. And we were running a wheelchair group and um, a group for other other areas and backgrounds. So we it, it was kind of, it was already brought up within us. Um, my dad was one of the founders of the club. So we approached him and he was more than happy to help us set up a session and between himself and actually Evelyn's mum we were covered in terms of parental supervision because um, (laughs) as you know uh, under 18 you can't really be running a session in a gym by yourself. Absolutely and so Evelyn what kind of benefits then have you seen for your brother and for the other um, kids who were participating? Um, Yeah I I wouldn't like to confuse there my brother was older than me so he wasn't actually getting to be involved in the training it was more so that just I would have liked to help kids coming up through, you know? Yeah. Um, but I suppose for us, because Katie and I have talked about this plenty, we're only seeing them once a week, so we just see the smaller impacts. You know, we see skills improve slowly and confidence improve slowly and friendships kind of start to form. Um, I suppose what kept us in it was parents and the feedback they brought to us and they've been coming into us in trainings after the first couple of months going, you know, his teacher is saying that his handwriting's improving and he's happier at home and she's you know practicing by herself and she's actually excited to come to training and it was I suppose those things we started to see that kept yeah. us doing it you know because I suppose yeah bit by bit you might realize that it's making a difference yeah it sounds like it really does because they're the, the simple things and a lot of the things that you need in life really to get through and to be able to to help those kids just to to establish those life skills must be really really rewarding and just in terms of volunteering then Katie like for you guys to to see that you're helping people it must feel quite rewarding okay you're after winning an award but that aside just to be able to to see that and, and know that you're helping so many people have a better life it, it must be such an upside of the volunteering it's it's funny because we were actually discussing it earlier on. We it's it's so beneficial to us that we don't think about that side of things. Like it's it's the Federation of Irish Sport acknowledging what we've done and parents that aren't even in our group nominating us um, for what we do. That reminds us that that's the benefit it has. But in terms of the joy we get out of it and having those connections with parents and kids and developing our own skills, like it's it's what it really is to us do you know yeah absolutely yeah, yeah and I would like to say because in that just you know we're now in our mid-20s most people our age aren't still involved in sport to that extent where this training has allowed us to stay involved in the sport we love and the community that's been formed through it are as supportive yeah. to us we could ever hope to be to them you know well, I'd say by the sounds of it, you have definitely started something special. So fair play to you guys and best of luck in the future as well. And it was so nice to talk to you. And no doubt I will be talking to you again at some stage because um, what you've done has been brilliant. And um, no doubt other people will be following in your footsteps as well. So thanks for joining me. Davis and I, that is all we have time for. We'll be back tomorrow. A big weekend of sport to look ahead to. So do join us because we will be previewing all the action. Tara Kumar is up next. Game on on the
FM. With Green Farm. Fuel your day the healthy way. With Green Farm's on-the-go chicken bites. 100% natural and packed with protein. Available in selected Tesco's nationwide.